Section 16 of Heroines Every Child Should Know. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Denise Nordell. Heroines Every Child Should Know, edited by Hamilton Wright Maybe and Kate Stevens. Sister Dora, Part 1. Dorothy Winlow Pattison was born on January 15, 1832. She was the youngest daughter and the youngest child but one of the Reverend Mark Pattison, who was for many years rector of Hawkswell, near Richmond, in Yorkshire. She inherited from her father, who was of a Devonshire family, that finely proportioned and graceful figure which she always maintained, and from her mother, who was the daughter of a banker in Richmond, those lovely features which drew forth the admiration of every one who had the pleasure of knowing her. Her father was a good and sincere man. He was thoroughly upright and strict. Dora and her sister, like a thousand other country parsons' daughters, were of the utmost use in their father's Yorkshire parish. A French gentleman who had lived a while in England and in the country said to me one day, "'Your young ladies astound me. They are angels of mercy. They wear no distinguishing habit. One does not see their wings, yet they fly everywhere, and everywhere bring grace and love and peace. In my country such a thing would be impossible.' these pattison girls were forever saving their pocket-money to give it away and they made it a rule to mend and remake their old frocks so as not to have to buy new ones out of their allowance for clothes so as to have more to give even their dinners they would reserve for poor people and content themselves with bread and cheese giving to others instead of spending on themselves seems to have been the rule and delight of their lives a pretty story is told of dorothy at this time a schoolboy in the village who was especially attached to her fell ill of rheumatic fever the boy's one longing was to see Miss Dora again, but she was abroad on the continent. As he grew worse and worse, he constantly prayed that he might live long enough to see her. On the day on which she was expected, he sat up on his pillow intently listening, and at last, long before anyone else could hear a sound of wheels, he exclaimed, "'There she is!' and sank back. She went to him at once and nursed him till he died. Her beauty was very great, large, brilliant brown eyes, full red lips, a firm chin, and a finely cut profile her hair dark and slightly curling waved all over her head and the remarkable beauty and delicacy of her colouring and complexion added to the liveliness of her expression made her a fascinating creature to behold her father always called her little sunshine but the most remarkable feature about her was to be found in her inner being a will which no earthly power could subdue enabled her to accomplish an almost superhuman work yet at times it was to her a faculty that brought her into difficulties she was twenty-nine before she was able to find real scope for her energies and then she took a bold step answered an advertisement from a clergyman for a lady to take the village school her mother had died in eighteen sixty one and she considered herself free from duties that bound her to her home her father did not relish the step she took but acquiesced she went to woolston and remained there three years during which time she won the hearts not of the children only but of their parents as well she had to live alone in a cottage and do everything for herself but the people never for a moment doubted she was a real lady, and always treated her with great respect. Not thinking a little village school sufficient field for her energies, she resolved to join a nursing sisterhood at Redcar, in Yorkshire. The life was not quite suited to her strong will, but it did her good. She there learned how to make beds and to cook. At first she literally sat down and cried when the beds which she had just put in order were all pulled to pieces by some superior authority, who did not approve of the method in which they were made but it was a useful lesson for her after life in a hospital she was there till the early part of eighteen sixty five and then was sent to walsall to help at a small cottage hospital which had already been established for more than a year 
walsall though not in the black country is in a busy manufacturing district chiefly of iron at the time when sister dora went there it contained a population of thirty-five thousand inhabitants it is now connected with birmingham by almost continuous houses and pits and furnaces as fresh coal and iron pits were being opened in the district around walsall accidents became more frequent and it was found impracticable to send those injured to birmingham which was seven miles distant accordingly in eighteen sixty three the town council invited the red car society to start a hospital there when the sister who had begun work fell ill sister dora was sent in her place and almost directly caught smallpox from the outpatients she was very ill and even in her delirium showed the bent of her mind by ripping her sheets into strips to serve as bandages when the cottage hospital which was the second of its kind in england was opened the system of voluntary nursing was unknown the only voluntary nurses heard of then being those who had gone out to the crimea with miss florence nightingale therefore a good deal of misunderstanding was the result but in the course of time people began to judge the institution by its results but sister dora by her frank open manner disarmed suspicion while the sublime eloquence of noble deeds silenced tongues and won for the hospital the confidence of the public and for herself the admiration and affection of the people in eighteen sixty six she had a serious illness brought on by exposure to wet and cold she would come home from dressing wounds in the cottages wet through and hot with hurrying along the streets to find a crowd of outpatients awaiting her return at the hospital and she would attend to them in total disregard of herself and allow her wet clothes to dry on her this neglect occurred once too often a chill settled on her and for three weeks she was dangerously ill then it was that the people of walsall began to realize what she was and the door of the hospital was besieged by poor people come to inquire how their sister dora was the hospital had moved men of every shade of politics and every form of religious belief to the work and there have been passages in its history not pleasant to remember but not one of these in the remotest degree involved sister dora on the contrary her presence and counsel always brought light and peace and lifted every question into a higher sphere ask sister dora it used to be said had we not better send for sister dora some member would exclaim out of the fog of contention thereupon she would appear and many well remember how calmly self-possessed and clear-sighted she would stand never sit down indeed there were those who worked with her fifteen years who never saw her seated she would stand usually with her hand on the back of the chair which had been placed for her every eye directed to her nor was it ever many moments before she had grasped the whole question and given her opinion just as clearly and simply and straight to the purpose as any opinion given to the sufferers in the wards nor was she ever wrong nor did she ever fail of her purpose with the committee no committeeman ever questioned or differed from sister dora yet in her was the charm of unconsciousness of power or superiority and the impression left was of there being no feeling of pleasure in her other than the triumph of the right in eighteen sixty seven the cottage hospital had to be abandoned as erispelus broke out and would not be expelled the wards were evidently impregnated with malignant germs to such an extent that the committee resolved to build a new hospital in a better situation sister dora's work became more engrossing when this larger field was opened for it the men's beds were constantly full and even the women's ward was hardly ever entirely empty just at this period an epidemic of smallpox broke out in walsall and all the energies of sister dora were called into play she visited the cottages where the patients lay and nursed them or saw to their being supplied with what they needed whilst at the same time carrying on her usual work at the hospital one night she was sent for by a poor man who was dying of what she called blackpox a violent form of smallpox she went at once and found him in the last extremity all his relations had fled and a neighbor alone was with him 
when sister dora found that only one small piece of candle was left in the house she gave the woman some money begging her to go and buy some means of light whilst she stayed with the man she sat on by his bed but the woman who had probably spent the money at the public-house never returned and after some little while the dying man raised himself up in bed with a last effort saying sister kiss me before i die she took him all covered as he was with the loathsome disease into her arms and kissed him the candle going out almost as she did so leaving them in total darkness he implored her not to leave him while he lived although he might have known she would never do that so she sat through the night till the early dawn breaking in revealed that the man was dead when the bell at the head of her bed rang at night she rose at once saying to herself the master is come and calleth for thee indeed she loved to think that she was ministering to her lord in the person of his poor and sick here is a letter from a former patient in the hospital from which only a short extract can be made i had not been there above a week when sister dora found me a little bell as there was not one to my bed and she said enoch you must ring this bell when you want sister this little bell did not have much rest for whenever i heard her step or the tinkle of her keys in the hall i used to ring my bell and she would call out i'm coming enoch which she did and she would say what do you want i often used to say i don't know sister not really knowing what i did want she'd say do you want your pillows shaken up or do you want moving a little which she'd do whatever it was and say do you feel quite cosy now yes sister then she would start to go into the other ward but very often before she could get through the door i'd call her back and say my pillow wasn't quite right or that my leg wanted moving a little she would come and do it whatever it was and say will that do yes sister then she'd go about her work but at the very next sound of her step my bell would ring and so often as my bell rang sister would come and some of the other patients would often remark that i should wear that little bell out or sister and she'd say never mind for i like to hear it and it's never too often and it rang so often that i've heard sister say that she often dreamt she heard my little bell and started up in a hurry to find it was a dream sister dora said once to a friend who was engaging a servant for the hospital tell her this is not an ordinary house or even a hospital i want her to understand that all who serve here in whatever capacity ought to have one rule love for god and then i need not say love for their work she spoke often and with intense earnestness on the duty the necessity of prayer it was literally true that she never touched a wound without raising her heart to god and entreating him to bless the means employed as years glided away she became able almost to fulfill the apostle's command pray without ceasing and her prayers were animated by the most intense faith and absolutely unshaken conviction of their efficacy it may truly be said that those who pray become increasingly more sure of the value of prayer they find that whatever men may say about the reign of law and the order of nature earnest prayer does bring an answer often in a marvellous manner the praying man or woman is never shaken in his or her trust in the efficacy of prayer she firmly held to the supernatural power put into the hands of men by means of the weapon of prayer and the practical faithlessness in this respect of the world at large was an ever-increasing source of surprise and distress to her since her death in commemoration of her labors at walsall a very beautiful statue has been there erected to her and on the pedestal are bas-reliefs representing incidents in her life there one of these illustrates a terrible explosion that took place in the birchett's ironworks on friday october fifteenth eighteen seventy five whereby eleven men were so severely burnt that only two survived all the others died after their admission into the hospital it came about thus the men were at work when water escaped from the twer and fell upon the molten iron in the surface and was at once resolved into steam that blew out the front of the furnace and also the molten iron which fell upon the men some suffered frightful agonies but the shock to the nervous systems of others had stupefied them 
the sight and the smell were terrible ladies who volunteered their help could not endure it and were forced to withdraw some not getting beyond the door of the ward but sister dora was with the patients incessantly till they died giving them water bandaging their wounds or cutting away the sodden clothes that adhered to the burnt flesh some lingered on for ten days but in all this time she never deserted the fetid atmosphere of the ward never went to bed she had so much to do with burns that she became specially skilful in treating them children terribly burnt or scalded were constantly brought to the hospital often men came scalded from a boiler or by molten metal she dressed their wounds herself but if possible always sent the patients to be tended at home where she would visit them and regularly dress their wounds rather than have the wards tainted by the effluvium from the burns her treatment of burnt children merits quotation if a large surface of the body was burnt or if the child seemed beside itself with terror she did not touch the wounds themselves but only carefully excluded the air from them by means of cotton wool and blankets wrapped around the body she put hot bottles and flannel to the feet and if necessary ice to the head then she gave her attention to soothing and consoling the shocked nerves a state which she considered to be often a more immediate source of danger to the life of the child than the actual injuries she fed it with milk and brandy unless it violently refused food when she would let it alone until it came round saying that force or anything which involved even a slight further shock to the system was worse than useless sometimes of course the fatal sleep of exhaustion from which there was no awakening would follow but more often than not food was successfully administered and after a few hours sister dora having gained the child's confidence could dress the wounds without fear of exciting the frantic terror which would have been the result of touching them at first children sister dora dearly loved her heart went out to them with infinite tenderness and she was even known to sleep with a burnt baby on each arm what that means only those know who have had experience of the sickening smell arising from burns once a little girl of nine was brought into the hospital so badly burnt that it was obvious she had not many hours to live sister dora sat by her bed talking to her of jesus christ and his love for little children and of the blessed home into which he would receive them the child died peacefully and her last words were sister when you come to heaven i'll meet you at the gates with a bunch of flowers one of the most heroic of her many heroic acts was taking charge of the smallpox hospital when a second epidemic broke out mr s welsh says in the spring of eighteen seventy five there was a second visitation of the disease and fears were entertained that the results would be as bad as during the former visitation one morning sister dora came to me and said do you know i have an idea that if someone could be got to go to the epidemic hospital in whom the people have confidence they would send their friends to be nursed the patients would be isolated and the disease stamped out this was because a prejudice was entertained against the new smallpox hospital and those who had sick concealed the fact rather than send them to it i said continues mr welsh i have long been of the opinion you have just expressed but where are we to get a lady in whom the people would have confidence to undertake the duty her prompt reply was i'll go i confess the sudden announcement of her determination rather took me by surprise for i had no expectation of it and not the least remote idea that she intended to go but i said who will take charge of the hospital if you go there oh she replied i can get plenty of ladies to come there but none will go to the epidemic and she added by way of reconciling me to her view it will only be for a short time but what if you were taken to the disease and die i inquired then she added in her cheery way i shall have died in the path of duty and you know i could not die better i knew it was no use pointing out at length the risk she ran for where it was a case of saving others self with her was no consideration i tried to dissuade her on other grounds 
a few days later i was in company with the doctor of the hospital who was also medical officer of health and who as such had charge of the epidemic hospital near to which we were at the time he said do you know where sister dora is at the hospital i suppose was my reply no he rejoined she is over there pointing to the epidemic hospital the people as soon as they knew sister dora was in charge had no misgiving about sending their relatives to be nursed and the result was as she had predicted the cases were brought in as soon as it was discovered that patients had the disease and the epidemic was speedily stamped out she had however a hard time of it there as she lacked assistance two women were sent from the workhouse but they proved of little use the porter an old soldier was attentive and kind in his way but he always went out on a spree on saturday nights and did not return till late on sunday evening when the workhouse women failed her she was sometimes alone with her patients and these occasionally in the delirium of smallpox it was not till the middle of august eighteen seventy five that the last smallpox patient departed from the hospital and she was able to return to her original work one of the bas-reliefs on her monument represents sister dora consoling the afflicted and the scene depicted refers to a dreadful colliery accident that occurred on march fourteenth eighteen seventy two at pelsall a village rather over three miles from walsall by which twenty-two men were entombed and all perished for several days hopes were entertained that some of the men would be got out alive and blankets in which to wrap them and restoratives were provided and sister dora was sent for to attend the men when brought to the bank the following extract from an article by a special correspondent in a newspaper dated december tenth eighteen seventy two will give some idea of sister dora's connection with the event out of doors the scene is weird and awful and impresses the mind with a peculiar gloom for the intensity of the darkness is heightened by the shades created by the artificial lights every object the most minute stands out in bold relief against the inky darkness which surrounds the landscape on the crest of the mound or pit-bank the policemen like sentinels are walking their rounds the wind is howling and whistling through the trees which form a background to the pit-bank and the rain is coming hissing down in sheets in a hovel close to the pit-shaft sit the bereaved and disconsolate mourners hoping against hope and watching for those who will never return there too are the swarthy sons of toil who have just returned from their fruitless search in the mine for the dear missing ones and are resting while their saturated clothes are drying but another form glides softly from that hovel and amid the pelting rain and over the rough pit-bank and through miry clay now ankle-deep takes her course to the dwellings of the mourners for some spent with watching have been induced to return to their homes as she plods her way amid pieces of timber upturned wagons and fragments of broken machinery which are scattered about in great confusion a wee wee bairn creeps gently to her side and grasping her hand and looking wistfully into her face which is radiant with kindness and affection says oh sister do see to my father when they bring him up the pit poor child never again would he know a father's love or share a father's care she smiled and that smile seemed to lighten the child's load of grief and her promise to see to his father appeared to impart consolation to his heavy despairing heart on she glides with a kind word or a sympathetic expression to all one woman after listening to her comforting words burst into tears the fountains of sorrow so long pent up seemed to have found vent let her weep said a relative of the unfortunate woman it is the first tear she has shed since the accident has occurred and it will do her good to cry but who is the good samaritan she is the sister who for seven years has had the management of the nursing department in the cottage hospital at walsall this is written in too much of the special correspondent style to be pleasant nevertheless it describes what actually took place 
End of section 16. Recording by Denise Nordell, Modesto, California.